don't mean nothing but a good time. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, dear reader, to episode six of Required Reading. That was I good. Feel... That was a nice upbeat yeah, yeah. introduction feel, yeah, to the show. Podcast. More little, of that, please. A little thanks. bit of poison for you. Energy. From their second album. Um... <sighs> I think, I think it's called something like Open Your Legs and Say Ah. It's a very Spinal Tap-esque yeah, yeah, title, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, total shit Open sandwich. Your Legs and Say Ah. Yeah, I think that's enough. I've got to look it up. So, yeah, um, so yeah, welcome, everyone. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we are very pleased to have you here once again listening to us. And another, another continued thanks for pressing play on your chosen device and choosing this podcast. We'll very, never stop thanking you we'll so never long stop as you keep listening. As long as you keep listening. Um, my name is Alex um, and I'm joined here very kindly by Mr. Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Alex. I almost said hello, Dan. Back, you know, when sometimes people say <laughs> happy birthday and you go, and to you. Say hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. Um, thank you for joining me here on this lovely that's all right. Lovely day. Um, you were stood at my door. I could hardly turn you away. Hardly turn me away. I'll just keep knocking till you let me in. Um, we are a podcast here for you that is kind of in the form of a, like a book club, but with films, and that we invite you to contribute and tell us what you thought of the film that we choose. Um, it's a little bit strange in that regard. Um, it's not a review. It's a little something, something a little different. It's a little group discussion. A little group discussion. Um, and thank you to everyone who uh, who did send us um, some stuff in. Um, and we'll get around to that. But the movie uh, that we are covering this time is Good Time, the aforesung Good Time uh, by the um, very So Hip It Hurts Safty Brothers, um, which keen regular listeners will remember the film good time as it was our alterna choice to personal shopper yes which um was leading all week and then um then lost out a late surge of of uh, Kirsten stewart fans um uh, wiped good time off the board and then i was kind of thinking about it and feeling that i don't want to disregard the films that aren't that chosen, aren't chosen yeah. and um and so decided to go back and watch it um and so getting right into it i was totally massively blown away by it and um and when we were talking about what to do and maybe giving people too many chances with old old choices to, to not give anyone a choice and just to go for this one you don't um you don't like to give away anything after you watch a film do you so when you saw it you were just yeah. like ah you should watch it. I want to yeah. know what you think. Yeah. Because sometimes that can mean, oh man, it's total dog shit. It's a complete yeah. car crash and you should 100% watch it because it's it's awful. Yeah. But sometimes it can mean it's brilliant. Yeah. I now know it was the uh, it was the latter. It was absolutely, I was totally blown away and um, I, I particularly liked the, the feeling of um, immersion uh, with it. Um, Sometimes with films, I feel that it inhabits, and it's it very often around drug use, and something that we'll talk to uh, a little a little bit later on. Um, but the way that it's it just felt so real and visceral, mm. and really drew me in. And by the end, I felt that I had been on a on just like a ride with with and and had had a good time with the film. Like, and so again, um, the um, 
Although it is a good time in the same sense that funny games is funny. It's <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's good in in depending how you look at it. And um, but yeah, so first getting around to it, what did you? I don't. I haven't actually spoken to you about what you thought of the film. What did you think? I, of I the wasn't. Film? I wasn't as blown away by it yeah. as as you were, but I do agree with it in in the sense that. It is an incredibly immersive film, and you always feel like you're a passenger on this crazy ride, as you say. I think ride's a very good term mm. for it. Journey suggesting a little more slow-paced. Yeah, this is quite frantic. This is like just over an hour and a half of um, Robert Pattinson just thinking on his feet at all times just constantly having to improvise his way out of just increasingly terrible situations um a difficult character to sympathize with although his heart's in the right place Mm. his his actions just (laughs) constantly aren't um you know he's he's a guy who's looking out for his mentally handicapped brother yeah um, played as it turns out by is it Benny Safdie, yeah. uh, one half of the brothers. Mm-hmm. He has very sort of uh, Garth Marenghi, Tommy Wiseau like presence in the credits. Mm. You know, floor swept by music inspired by tunes once hummed by. Right. But yeah, you know they're, they're, they're the directing duo and he edited yeah, yeah. it. And um, but um, yes, yeah, so he's looking out for his brother. Initially, I thought there was a bit of um, an of mice and men dynamic where you've got this guy trying to look out for his slow-witted brother and trying to do the the best by him, but he's he's ultimately quite a, a liability. Yeah. Um it doesn't really go down that path. I thought it might be there might be some sort of you know, it might be analogous in some regards to of yeah. mice and men. It wasn't really. Um but well, I, I I was ready for an American dead man's shoes. That yes. was my first my first sort of touch point that came to me, and I'm a, a, a massive fan of Dead Man's Shoes. Um, oh, so you were expecting twist? Yeah, I was expecting it to be it to have. Well, no, no, no the, the initial relationship, and then it obviously has it goes in a different direction mm. with it. Well, hold that thought, Alex. Ah, because um, regular listener, regular contributor, yes, uh, James Butchers sent his review. Are we promoting him? Yes. Ah, oh, excellent, excellent. No, no, I, no, I agree. I agree. Um, let's, let's do his quick review because uh, he also alludes to said Shane Meadows. Ah, fantastic. Wonderful. Please continue. Um, so his was, wow, frantic, exhausting. A jarring, pulsating, relentless soundtrack. Oh yeah, one o. dot yeah. point matrix. I can't remember the name. Is it one o dot point matrix? What's that? The the the, um, the composer. It is one o tricks point. One o tricks never. Point. Never. That's it. <laughs> God, that was like your dad trying to. Do it. Oh, what's the name of that? Hipping and you're hopping. Hipping, ripping and rubbing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was very good. A jarring pulsating relentless soundtrack. Cameras that were far too close. That was part of the immersion. Deeply claustrophobic mm. film. One of the best mid-film twists I've ever seen. An outstanding turn by Ben Safdie, who seemingly wrote and sang the theme through. No, he said the same thing. Even two terribly written and embarrassingly feeble female characters couldn't detract from this joyride of a film or return to that I guess uh, a thumbs up from me would recommend a thematic double bill with the outstanding Dead Man Shoes ah well that's two episodes in a row that we've agreed with um, mm. with him um, yeah talking about the score um, as as a as a musician myself um, one that is 
that does like the synth, does like the John Carpenter, mm. who, you know, that whole sort of Vangelis, the whole thread of, of working through um, right up to, oh God, um, is it Disaster Piece? Yes, uh, it uh, follows. No, it follows. The chat. guy did the Fez music. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I really do enjoy those, but it's something that I do, I have felt I'm coming really over the brow of those synth scores that are so um, obtuse, maybe, that really overtake the score. Right. Um, that I'm wondering how much, how long that has the, the legs there has that whole 80s really outrageous honking synth um I, and i did love it in this movie there are some times where it's so high in the mix of the movie yes it does suddenly feel like you're in a music video i know that's the the intention but i wonder you know yeah that's and that's that sort of aided and abetted by the lighting as well mm. Which is which is constantly sort of heightened reality mm. type lighting, even in sort of mundane household situations. Yeah. There's these really striking primary coloured yeah, yeah. lighting setups throughout, and and even down to the actual the title card. And and again, I'll I'll, I'll put myself out there. I love a good title card. Yes. I love it when there's a um, when somebody does. S- really stylistically the logo was great and the synth in that part was great but it, it is very of a type it is very of a you know of a style and if you're not into into that if i can see if someone that sort of likes something a little more laid back that it, it could have been a little off-putting i haven't seen anyone you know haven't really read that as a thought but no i wonder whether anyone was taken out of it somehow by the synth because there's no real reason why you would have synths in it. It could work with another style of music. It could. It could. Work I, with I don't think punk music, for example, it yes. would. It would work. I, with. I don't know. I think. I think. I think something like a punk score would be too overbearing, mm. and too heavy. But this is overbearing. It's overbearing, but in a way that I believe contributes to the overriding sense of tension. Mm. Whereas punk would be more uh, would more detract and distract from that. As would a you know a full symphonic score as well. Yeah. I, th- I think that would take away. I I think it's ideally placed in in this film because I think it's the right match for the 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 sweaty jittery nature of the whole thing. Yeah. So which is all embodied by Arpats himself. Mm. It really adds to that sleaze. Oh yeah, the grime. It has that, that real the film. That, that that dirty like speed esque that the drug taking that, that that griminess to it that goes throughout goes throughout the whole movie even down to um, Pattinson's like hair is so disgusting throughout and really really sort of sets the tone and everyone looks as though they're either on drugs have been on drugs yeah about to do drugs like right down to. There actually isn't that much drug taking in the film. They allude it, most to of it's it. alluded to, yeah, yeah, yeah. alluded to, but, and but everyone is a is a shambles, and yeah, <laughs> and a, a pivotal scene later where somebody is forced to drink far too much acid, which was a, re- a bit I really liked, and that and that actor I, I really love um, um, is her Barkhad Abdi. Um, yeah, it was a really surprising appearance mm. actually, and um, yeah, when 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 he's when um, Rob Pattinson swaps clothes and takes on the security guard he gets woken up and he's just talking absolute fucking gibberish because he's yeah he's just tripping absolute balls at that point do you remember him in um in the blade runner movie as well he's uh he's the 
the the guy the like dealer guy yes and, yeah he's really he's amazing um, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad because Hollywood does have a tendency to sort of chew up those actors who they found who fit a very particular mm. role and then you never see them for the, from them again you know mm. they're, they're given the, the all the plaudits because they've played this particular character and very fortunately for him he's managed to continue to carve his way through playing all these small but always effective and really memorable parts and I really, I really felt for him in this film oh yeah he was he had such a thankless role well, I in mean, terms of his treatment, dra- dragging. Um, but I do want to go to the theme park that he. Uh, the theme park looks was great, looking after. It? Yeah, yeah, that was sort of sexy, gro- sexy grotesquery. I loved it, and it's what they do to him that ultimately unravels the the piece, doesn't it? Yes, they get they break into his apartment and spend a little too long there, and then once he's either obviously come round or the park. The park security have obviously identified that what has happened, and yeah. they—that's how they figure it. That's how it unravels at the end. It's the one thing that Pattinson didn't think of, Panther Connie didn't think about. Um, and there's a lot of that in the film, though. There's mm. there's a, a lot of use of, of subtle suggestion mm. for the way that things have gone. The the film very rarely holds your hand or explains anything. It really does value the intelligence of the viewer a lot of the time that things happen for obvious reasons. You just yeah. don't need to see them unravel in front of you. Yeah. Well, he's thinking on his feet, and, and one of the real strengths of the movie, and something that takes me out of other stories, is if I start thinking, like, they wouldn't do that, or yeah. what well, I wouldn't do that. And I've already talked before on podcasts before that I'm actually very gullible like twists and those kind of things don't come naturally to me so it's a very low bar really of quality of um of writing and if it falls below that and I'm like oh I don't believe that character would do that I immediately takes me out but this one I was really in it with him I sort of thought that he was very wily really fox like if this was an animation I think his character would be like a urban fox or something you know just sort of Thinking on his feet. It's a de- and- it's a, I'd, I'd call it desperate ingenuity. Yeah, really, really. That yeah. that type of invention that only comes to you when you're put under the utmost pressure, mm. purely caused by probably the le- the levels of adrenaline that is coursing mm. through your body at that one time, and just going, "What the hell do I do?" And and yeah, more often than not, you're just like, "Oh, that's really fucking clever." Yeah, it's it's really it's really underhand and really tricksy, but you you can't help but sort of you can't help but admire. Yeah, it absolutely. Well, to a person, I feel that everyone put in a good shift, and it, this takes me back to one of my favourite scenes of any movie of all time is in Wayne's World Two, where um, they he pulls up to the gas station and they replace the actor, and he's talking to the guy, and he's just like, "I know this is only a small part, but really, we can do we can do better than this." And then they replace him with Charlton Heston, and it's something that my my wife and I. Um, think about all the time like we say if someone's particularly bad we always go oh you know i know this is only a small part but this movie in particular every single person is is so like really dense the 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 therapist right at the start the guy that opens the movie yeah obviously the the um the director playing a character himself very believably um that's a really good um means of establishing the the reason for for their behavior as well doing it through a therapy session mm. and trying to get to the root of 
the relationship that mm. they've got with their grandmother, who's clearly their only surviving yeah. next of kin. So already you're like, well, the parents are dead yeah. for whatever reason. Um, there's a very unhappy dynamic that's happening at home. Uh, and I thought that was just a very natural uh, and clever way of, of giving you enough information about these people bef- before you're formally introduce mm. them and you know the when the when the robbery occurs mm. you, you you kind of get it already mm. why it's all sort of gone down um i should say uh i wanted to go in rapidly just because it very much relates to what we're talking about um his, his characters with connie his name yes uh it's connie's character uh chris Schilling very kindly contributed um he said brilliant film shot in a way that gets you into the jittery headspace of its protagonist with an on the hoof spontaneity that matches his half-baked plans pattinson's best performance to date i i absolutely agree and of those i've seen i've got to say i've not seen many films of so these. through through my wife i have seen all of the twilight my films. wife um You've seen all of the Twilight I've seen films. All of the Twilight films. It's um, and they are as 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 one would expect. Um, I've been. I was in the house when she was watching Cosmopolis, but even she couldn't get through that. Apparently, it was so bad. His um, his after Twilight movie. Yes, um, but there's another one. I think he was in called Maps to the Stars, ah. which was another David Cronenberg film. Right, right. Um, it's clearly Cronenberg is now a bit of a fan of of our pets. And I actually quite enjoyed that one. Oh, that was an incredibly bleak, okay. um, incredibly darkly comic, I guess you could say, um, evisceration of the hollowness mm. of the Hollywood lifestyle. Yeah. And he plays a bit of a, a dickbag in that as well. Yeah. Going back to Chris's point, from me seeing a film with him in it and not giving a damn, right now after this movie, I... You know, really announced himself to me as as having some pretty good chops, and I thought he was really believable. Well, unlike uh, a lot of actors of his background, mm. he doesn't ever feel like someone who's desperately trying to act in these films because he wants to leave that past behind. He just strikes me as someone who's actually a very good actor mm. who found himself cast in a series of films that his agent said this is going to send your profile yeah. skyrocketing, which it did. Yeah. And now he's kind of gone back to doing what he likes right. and what he's good at. Yeah, yeah. As a parallel, Daniel Radcliffe, for example. Yeah. I still feel in a lot of the films I see him in, I, don't know if we've had the, I think we've had this discussion yeah, before, yeah, we did. but it, very, it always feels like he's picking roles that will yank him away from yeah. the shadow of Harry Potter. Whereas with Robert Pattinson, I guess also for the reasons that the Twilight films aren't that good. Mm. So people aren't that bothered about holding him, that you know, making the holdings of those films. That legacy is not so important as it is with Harry Potter. Mm. The Harry Potter films aren't that good, though, are they? Yeah, not to us though, but to kids, they're still this, and, right. and to adults who really should know better. Yeah, they they still have a lot of sway <laughs> and a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said it. Um, so yeah, I, I just I just think he's a genuinely good actor who yeah. happens to have been lumped with a fairly diabolical introduction to the white to the you know to the to the audience so i heard about the film um it first came to my knowledge as a a girl that works at vice told me about it so there's already this sort of a cachet where i'm sort of thinking i'm not gonna like this is gonna be too kind of cool or whatever yeah um 
but um, I'd heard, I'd read, and I, I connected it with a little tiny section in Empire that I read that apparently he had just sent an email after watching one of their previous films um, uh, that he basically emailed the Safdie brothers saying to them, I'll come and make the tea on your next movie. So what else have they made? Because I'm I'm none the wiser on the stuff. So there's two films really. They've 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 done a few together. There's a film called Daddy Long Legs, which is really well uh, really well regarded, and um, Heaven Knows What, which is uh, I think a little more thematically uh, linked to this one. It's a a central character, a a um, a drug addict, and sort of all the things that happen. Um, I haven't seen it. I bought the I bought the Blu-ray. I'll watch it. But um and so yeah, so he saw those and um and basically said. He's available to wow. be in the next one, so they wrote this around knowing that they had they had him and and sort of wove him into the story. Um, apparently, there was a lot of back and forth. So he, the, the Safety brothers, are based in New York, and and uh, Robert Patterson is is lives in the UK, and they were sending him scripts, but apparently they just really didn't want to mess up the opportunity. So he would get scripts. And then they would um, say, "Oh, we're sending you a revision. Uh, don't don't read this one. Don't read this one. Sending a revision." But then would send him a whole new script. <laughs> um, so because they just wanted to kind of get it right, they sort of saw wow. it as their like real um, real opportunity, and and it has done in- incredibly for them, um, and, and and rightly so. Uh, again, it's that that so hip it hurts part of it. it. It almost feeling like that Ryan Johnson first like brick. Yeah. thing and uh, and a sort of strange sort of again going back to the word of choose that's why I really liked about the film is it kind of almost doesn't want you to like it in in a way it almost as, like with the music or the the close shots or the 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 way that the, the protagonists are, are doing these things it, it makes you and re- regardless of that it makes you like the movie but it, I, I think it strikes the balance well I mean it, this isn't like a Gaspar Noe film mm. Um, his films are designed to disorientate, mm. irritate, uh, and repel. He, he, his films are often designed to make you walk out. Yeah. Um, I saw Irreversible, and people walked out within the first five ten minutes, right. just because of the way that the camera was rotating, just lurching around and making people feel ill. Yeah. Um, and the the title sequence of enter the void which i think is stunning is well it's based the credit sequence of enter the void just goes through all these font sets and the music's really sort of just jarring mm. like noise um you know those those films are what i would define as the sort of hipper than thou yeah films where it's it, it's it's sort of anti-filmmaking and it's like i'm trying to stop people watching and want people to look away mm. i i think this it still has that jarring aspect to it throughout yeah. but not in a way that turns you off but rather in a way that compels you yeah and even though it does make you uncomfortable i certainly felt i think that was my overriding feeling throughout the film yeah and i guess maybe i'll have to watch it again and maybe that's why i wasn't blown away by it because mm. i was always I was as on edge yeah. watching it as as he was and everyone around him. It was just like, oh, shit's going to go wrong, but when's yeah. it going to go wrong? And every time it just seemed to be getting worse, he'd always just find his way out of it again. And I was I was just on tenterhooks with yeah. him throughout the, the whole thing. And I was just sort of willing him to not make 
a another dick mistake and just mm. show a modicum of patience at one point, but he yeah. just wouldn't fucking do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think all of that actually works in in the film's favor rather than detracts from it. It didn't feel to me like it was guilty of style over substance. I yeah. think it had the right balance. I think it was using a lot of its style in the name of substance. Yeah. Um, particularly in the in the in the claustrophobic nature of the camera work, um, the way that the the soundtrack, as we've discussed, contributes to that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think I think all of it sort of gelled together in, in incredibly well. Yeah, I think compelling is the is the main is what I would take away from it. I don't think that there's any other um, pray, higher praise for it. You, you you're just I'm just compelled to watch it. Mm. Um, which brought me round to sort of films that that film, feel similar to it. That um, I was already said Dead Man's Shoes. It reminded me of. Yeah. But it, it kind of reminded me in a way of with, with the whole drug taking part of it and and sort of a point I wanted I wanted to get onto of that these days it feels like a strange area to talk about just because of like shareability maybe or put, putting yourself out there the idea of admitting that you have taken drugs or that you have and seeing that manifested in in art yeah um, movies for me um that can accurately show drug taking or or or, or have that element to it i i really love um it, and we've talked about it before that the craziness of of get him to the greek you know the, yeah. the comedy thing of just how crazy a, a sort of a debauched night can be when you're just you've lost control or um fear and loathing in las vegas have yes. you seen that movie where the, the feeling of, of taking acid and the things growing and stuff that it does it really well and and this one to me really felt like sort of speed like coke and speed that right. feeling of sweatiness and that sort of slightly things running ahead of you that you're not you're not thinking things through properly all the way and it just gave it just gave me a representation of of that kind of drug that kind of culture in in a way that i i just i really is another thing that i really loved about it um i think and, a lot of time as well like a lot of films now play drugs for laughs mm. or they take them to the nth degree and make out that post train spotting yeah well, they just make out that when you take drugs you're sort of taken onto an astro- another astral plane mm. sort of thing whereas whereas it, it, in my limited experience it's 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 kind of way more mundane than that yeah, really definitely. it's just you're experiencing exactly the same stuff but in a in a vaguely heightened way and mm. more if, if there's one thing i think that's consistent it's that the passage of time loses all yeah. meaning, and suddenly it, it's six o'clock in the morning, yeah. and you're like, "How did that much time mm. pass?" Because I feel like I've not really done a lot, but I also feel like I've done everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. Passage of time is 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 a great one, and um, is it, to think about because obviously films can span weeks and months and years and decades, and then sort of two thousand and one's ability uh, is millions of years yeah, yeah, yeah. from the start to the from the start to the end like I, I was trying to think about it on 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 the way over to see you like how like it is like a day or like a night it's it's a really short amount of time isn't it the majority he, of it is basically a day because mm. it has to do the establishment the establishment of the of the robbery mm. and his brother being put away and then 
getting into the fight and being put into hospital and that's what sets the rest of it in motion at that point I think you are then pretty much looking at a 24 hour period yeah. where it's just from this, him yeah and um and then the we haven't we haven't really talked on it apart from uh, apart from the uh, the comment of the twist of that in the hospital scene where he calls up the hospital he thinks that's where his brother's been taken yeah. he, he finds out through the uh, through the um the psychiatrist that um uh, and they call the prison oh no no it's not through the through the bail guy, through the bail guy yeah, yeah. that he's not in the prison where he should be he's been transferred to a hospital Breaks his way in there with a really cool uh, sort, of, uh, sort of affectation to a local staff, which I really like. So, so, so well written, all these little yeah. bits, and goes out there. Yeah, it doesn't feel contrived, does no. it? It's like, I no, can't believe no. all these cops are here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My, my dad is like, what floor? He's like, oh, the fifth. He's like, oh, no, 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 they should be on the sixth. He's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, and just, and just really super well done. And he breaks, you know, he breaks who he thinks is his brother out. Because it's, it's well, yeah, well, I mean, we shouldn't make it. I mean, he's watching, reading, listening, whatever. Uh, has has hopefully seen the film. They have, yeah. so you'll know his face is smashed in. Therefore, yeah. Yeah. you can't. So he's so he's so his face is covered. He gets him out. He looks roughly the same in a ways. Um, and you got it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was the only point that could sort of beg a belief is that mm. it's his brother. I think the physicality of him, yeah. something about him, would be a yeah would, would be a giveaway. But, but he's but he's on this. He's full of adrenaline. He's breaking him out past police. Yeah. You know, he's got them onto this, you know, got them onto this bus and then into this house and sort of left him there. And then the big reveal that it's in fact not his brother um, in a scene again, which I was in such disbelief that it that it wasn't his brother. I sort of thought for a while that it still was and that maybe well, so he'd I, come I, around. Well, because and... you thought, well, if his brother had woken up at a strange place, mm. that he'd be disoriented and he'd go a bit nuts. Yeah. So when he's like holding him down and saying, shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought he was doing it yeah. because it was his brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it was like, oh, oh no. And you sort of come to the realisation again, because of the way it's shot and lit, mm. I think it's deliberate that it doesn't make that abundantly clear straight away yeah. what's going on. You sort of have to come to the same realisation where it's like, oh, it's not. It's not him. Well, there are a few moments of clarity that that Pattinson brings, and and that scene is great where he backs away from him and he's like, "Look, there's been a real, you know, yeah, fuck up yeah, here." Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's one later on when they're in the um, when they're in the apartment, um, and the guys just sort of immediately started taking the, the you know uh, brandy from the from the side, yeah. and he just really lays into him. He's like, "Look, you took the first opportunity you could to get loaded," and the guy is saying, "Oh, look, you're no better than me. You know, we're the same." And 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 Connie is going, "No, when we're, we're not the same yeah. at all. Like, uh, you know, I know exactly that sort of who you are." And those bits really sort of gut punched me in in a, in, a, in a cool way. I thought he brought it, and uh, which which again really reminded me of uh, of Paddy Considine in 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 Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah, yeah, so, you yeah, know, yeah. That that sort of way of the thread through of of just cutting to the core of a situation in 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 a, in a great way, which brought me on to me thinking about Dead Man's Shoes and about uh, about Toby Kebbell, yes, about his performance and about how much I really respect him as an actor or in, in almost everything that he's in I think almost think he's the best thing but I think out of any actor out there I think he must have the worst agent of all time like the stuff that he that Toby Cable's gone up for like the um, Titans movies um, 
almost anything that he goes for. He was for. in Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia. I interviewed yeah. him for that. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I met Toby Kevin. And, and he's like... He always <laughs> he always comes across as a cool guy and 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 again as I say he really he's puts in the himself on as well he, he was I don't know if he was in all of them but I think no. he was in at least the first couple of the most the recent the Matt Reeves mm. trilogy right right but again he's a monkey so no one knows it's Toby Kebbell but but he, but, <laughs> but yeah I, I I really like him which which in in a very non PC way brings me on to my friend's um, definition of uh, Dead Man's Shoes. Of a cinema dutard, Oof. of um, oh, of, the Tropic Thunder, uh, of style. the Tropic Thunder style yeah. of these actors that have done these performances, never go full so well, that um, it made me think of um, Leonardo DiCaprio in yeah, his Gilbert first Grape. early things in Gilbert Grape, Toby Kebbell obviously in Dead Man's Shoes. Um, this one is 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 really is really great and. The fact that he's a director as well just really gives it's it this so, it's twist. So, it's so simple and, and so affecting, and uh, and the, and he he just has to st- he just has to maintain. It's the look, isn't it? It's mm. just the the look of it's not it's not really all sinking in, but inside it, he's a sad he's a sad soul. Yeah, he's a sad soul with a sad life, and you know those moments when he when he goes to prison. And again, that's that's a small, like, damning indictment of the system where someone who clearly has mm. a men- mental health issues is just thrust into this situation. He's like, I just want to watch what I want to watch on TV. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't get the the implications or the repercussions yeah. of doing so. He's then brutally battered for yeah. doing it. Um, yeah. And I, there's a guy that helps him. It, just, it, yeah. Stuff I really love. There's a there's a hippie guy that's obviously, I imagine, is in there for, for weed possession or something. Yeah. He goes up to him and he's like, look, just <clears throat> leave it, man. Like, let him and watch he whatever he wants on the TV and he just doesn't connect. Just it's, doesn't get it. And um, and ultimately, you know, at the start, you're seeing that he's he's really getting the, the help and the therapy that he desperately needs. Mm. His brother wants to pull him away from that and just take him somewhere peaceful and just give mm. him the quiet life without realizing that there's there's more to it really, mm. and then and then at the end it's just it's very affecting that with Connie now in prison mm. that he's he's back in that system yeah. but it's sort of where he should have been the yeah. whole time. And he's and reacting to it. He starts and, to yeah, react yeah. And, and then that's it when he starts to integrate with a group and interact with a group and you start seeing a lot of the questioning very cleverly. Is directly related to a lot of what's happened to him mm. before and, and before and yeah. during the film as well. Whether you know a loved one has betrayed you and yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that, and and gradually yeah, lied to someone close to you. Yeah, you know. yeah, and he warms up and does it, and that's 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 really a clever, affecting credit sequence mm. to sort of just watch that happening as it's that uh, sort of really amazing Iggy Pop song. Yeah, right on the end, it's really spoken word Iggy Pop, just which I thought was. I, I thought was gonna was like some old classic, you know. No, no, no. Um, yeah, done, done know, especially. A la, a la the um, what's it album when Johnny Cash did the covers. Oh yeah, I thought it was something along those lines ah, where right, it was right. like a cover of a classic song, mm. you know, being interpreted by Iggy Pop or whatever. But yeah. it was just so you know, yeah. one, one of Tricks Point never original that he'd done with him, and I was like, that's really good. And it sits amazingly. Yeah, but but. Bringing us back round, this, the, the, these these people that have put these performances in that 
and I remember back then with What's Eating Gilbert Grape, it was really at the top of, of Depp's sort of power. And, and I remember people genuinely thinking that Leonardo DiCaprio was mentally handicapped yeah. and, um, and, and obviously, and obviously not, and, and obviously not. We've obviously gone on to see him in, in many more films, but it coloured my performance Seeing him. How do we know he's not a mentally handicapped guy who's just really good at acting? <laughs> well, that, that is very true. But when DiCaprio moved out of that, and then I was such a big fan of his, I watched the Basketball Diaries and I watched the the, the films that he did before getting into the Titanic yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Romeo and Juliet phase, which is probably where... There's another film of... I really like from that era. I think it's called This Boy's Life with Robert De Niro. I oh, I haven't think seen he's that one. He's, oh, he's, cool. he's an abusive father. Right. Um, I, I've... Yeah, I watched that a couple of times because it was on Sky Movies at, mm. at, at that time, which was like the mid nineties. Um, yeah, I used to have a, well, I still, I still do, mm. but I, yeah, I had a lot of respect for him. Yeah, because he was he was another classic case of like he could have just sold himself on his looks, yeah, and not done much else. But well, it made me think of how I gave him a pass with Romeo and Juliet and those films because I had really enjoyed the stuff that he'd done before. Yeah, so I wonder if like. Robert Pattinson, if I just had first heard of him through these sort of enormo films, I might not have given him sort of such a fair crack of the fair way, yeah, crack, yeah. you know, later on and has obviously sort of come back round and 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 obviously amazing. Wolf of Wall Street was one of my favourite favourite films of, of that year. Yeah, yeah. Um And The Revenant, of course. And The Revenant, of course. Um, which I, I, I super enjoyed. But it made me think about the order in which you see people in films mm. and it's I, I wanted to bring up something of first impressions it's the same first across in, everything. yeah yeah it, first impressions of that there's no set order that you are supposed to watch films or a filmography mm. or an actor or even a series of films you can come at it i remember i saw um i saw temple of doom before raiders of the lost ark right and i and, I, and even though bizarrely it that is chronologically how you're supposed to it is yeah them. yeah it's a prequel um, isn't it? it's a prequel it goes back before which is but and it, but i've always still if if i had a quick fire round sort of quiz and someone was so like what is the first you indiana can, jones movie i would say say temple of doom it's the first one that i mm-hmm. i watched and and went back to and um and i i have a son and i'm getting him to watch movies uh, now um, sort of trying to play him these films, and I feel that it's a little that sometimes there are like irresponsibility with um, this is changing tack completely away from the movie. Sorry, <laughs> um, that there is an irresponsibility with there are movies like the Emoji Movie or the um, or Boss Baby, for example, yes. that have parts of it that rip off The Shining, yeah, or have parts of it that rip off The Godfather, and this is what my six-year-old son is going to see first so when he goes back and actually gets around to finally watching the godfather it's so twisted like what what's the what you know is he going to think is he going to remember even i hope he doesn't that that you know that, that i do find bit... it very odd I, I i understand the point is oh let's throw the parents a little something mm. but it's lazy but it's lazy yeah the the, the sort of the the pop culture that goes over the head of the kids, it's, it's, then it's like, well, what purpose is it actually serving mm. apart from to get a cheap laugh 
or at least a, you know, I recognise, I, I understood that reference. You know, yeah. Captain America thing. I understood that reference is, is, is about the extent of that thing. Yeah. Although, funnily enough, Hey Dougie consistently does it brilliantly. There's one, mm. there's an episode of Hey Dougie that's a, there's a riff on Apocalypse Now. <laughs> right. With, with, and it with, works. With Dougie rising out of the water and, right. and, and it turns out he gets his cave and all the sort of acolytes like, like rabbits and um, frogs, mm. and they're just delivering biscuits. And basically, this panda is uh, the the panda is 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 Marlon Brando, mm. and she even goes the biscuits, the biscuits. Nice, it's brilliant. Okay. Like, it, it's genuinely brilliant. And 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 throughout, there's always little nods. There's there's little references to like the Holy Grail and mm. um, even video game stuff. You know, there's a whole episode where one of the characters dressed as Super Mario because she's a plumber. Things like that. And I, th- I think that works fantastically. Yeah. But contextually, again, a kid isn't going to watch that and go, you know, my, my yeah. daughter's two and she loves Hey Dougie. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what is, it, what is well, an apocalypse but, now? But almost like it? super young. Yeah. They're never going to remember that. Yeah. But Emmett is now. But old son, enough, I guess, when, when it's yeah, printing. It's really starting to get yeah. it and I hope it doesn't ruin it. Which brings me around to my number one hated spoiler moment, oh. which has to be in Spaceballs. The alien chestburster scene. Right. Most people are going to see Spaceballs before they get around to seeing Alien. I know I did. I know I saw Spaceballs <laughs> before. And so I even remember now what, going back and watching Alien because it's the same actor. I'm not sure it's that's as much as a concern for this generation as it was for yours. No, frankly. no, no. But, it's, but, but it is something that it did, it did ruin it. It was a parody of a scene that most people will watch that parody yeah. before. Did you see Spaceballs before you saw Alien? No. Oh, you saw the right way around. I did. You're lucky. But also, I mean, if you, if you think there there is a there's a statute limitation, isn't there, on when you're allowed to do spoilers? Yeah. Spaceballs came out more than a decade, right. or at least a decade after mm. Alien, or around that time. So they get so, a pass. So they get a pass. I mean, by then, for the generation that was old enough to have watched it, it's it's you, you can you can gag about it. Yeah. You can, you can joke about it at that point. You can prestige it. But as you say, if you're an impressionable. How old would you have been about then? 27? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, around the... No, around you, well, you would have been, what, about six, seven years old when, yeah, yeah. when Spaceballs came yeah. out? Then it's it's just, it, you can't... It's it, it's impossible, owing to the passage of time, for certain films to not spoil other films, unless all films were to be completely devoid of any pop, pop culture referencing whatsoever. There's always going to be stuff that harks back to it, and especially if it's like a family-focused film riffing on a, a very adult-focused film. Then, yeah, yeah. then, as you say, there is a greater inevitability that mm. you're going to stumble upon this big spoiler. Yeah, um, you know, in in indirectly. All right, then you've convinced me. We'll let we'll let Mel off. <laughs> we'll let Mel get away with it this time. You've been given a stay. <laughs> um, and and lastly, the film that um, that I thought of ripping us back to good time um, that uh, made me think of is the drop. Have you seen that film? No. This is one that you really should see, and it's a recommendation. It was potentially one that um, I was going to put forward as a as a choice. It's um, starring Tom Hardy and uh, James Gandolfini. Okay. And um, uh, Nomi Rapace. Yes. Um, an incredible film set in a bar in um, in New York. I have heard of this. This yeah. wasn't his last film, was it? 
it might have been James Gandolfini's last film. It's it's very very good, and it just had that real naturalistic style. Oh. There's a there's a part with um when Tom Hardy gets a dog, and just his love of the him you know banging around with this puppy that he finds, and the way that he interacts with it. It just re- it reminded me of this film, just sort of really believable and dense, right, and, and just so well put together in this sort of slight mob story, but. A really good tale of, of of you know like lower down like lower down they're not high ranked mobsters or that they're we're dealing with sort here of, we're dealing with sort of enforcers sort of grunt or, level yeah, grunt level like the guy that owns the bar that everyone goes to that kind of thing so it it, it reminded me of that and weirdly, weirdly for me and and I probably haven't seen this film for over twenty years. But for some reason, it was very evocative of Gridlocked. I don't know if you've ever seen that ah, with Tim yeah. Roth and Tupac. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because that that film incredible dialogue. Yeah, but I always remember it being very intensely sort of focused on those two guys throughout, mm. um, and that they were trying to make good. Yeah, but they were thwarted at every possible avenue, and and what they were trying to do ended up being this strange Sisyphean task where it, it was it was all thwarted by bureaucracy ultimately, yeah. and it was you know. No real relevance to this film, but for some reason, when I was yeah, watching yeah, yeah. it, it, just, it really evoked memories of mm. Gridlocked because of, I guess, because of the intimacy of the tale yeah. and the fact that people who are actually trying to do good in their own slightly perverse way mm. are, are constantly thwarted and are having to sort of think on their feet to try and break that, break that cycle yeah. and are ultimately unsuccessful doing so as well. Yeah, cool. Uh, um, and so, have you heard what the next Safdie Brothers film is going to be? No. Well, has has been announced, and uh, as we're sort of coming to the end of our review, getting near our news section, uh, the next Safdie Brothers film is going to be called Uncut Gems, starring Adam Sandler. Oh, so he's the he's going to be the next Arpats in their um, A Sand. It's going to be. Always, in... I'm always game for a bit of. A... I assume it's serious Sandler. Well, I'm always up for Alt Sandler. Alt Sandler. Like his it, main yeah. his main thread of films don't I don't resonate with me. Anything um, where somebody else has control over his performance. Yeah, absolutely. Where they can really rein him in and yeah. sort of obviously punch drunk love is yep, is, yep, is, yep. is the PTA, main example of that. You know, a very um, very good. Job and um, the Mayer Mayer yeah Sorry, um, I really liked him in, and he's and he seems to be moving into a phase of sort of quite low key performances that that shine through quite well mm. less shouting and, and and being an idiot so um i'm all up for that so i'm quite up for uh quite up to see what happens there um so yeah i think we'll wrap up the um the uh the good time review the good time review it's not a review it's a uh, good time chat did you have <clears> a good time with good time i had a great time with good time um, and definitely gets a thumbs up for Good me. Good times had by all. A double thumbs up. Um, well, uh, as as is often the case with this, um, I think this conversation has only served to heighten my opinion <laughs> of the film. Yeah. I wasn't... I really liked it, mm. but I wasn't blown away for the reasons I kind of discussed. Mm. That it kind of made me really antsy. Yeah. But sometimes you realise that that's the sign of a good film because mm. if, it, if it sets out to do that, which it did, yeah. uh, then it was very successful in that regard. Well, we sit here, and uh, apologies, uh, dear reader, if you're listening to this sort of uh, 
way ahead in the future. This is recorded in um, in late April uh, of 2018. Um, that we are sat here under the shadow of an enormous release at the cinema of um, of the Avengers in yes. Infinity War. Um, I have yet to see it. Dan has. Ha- I have had have had the pleasure been to see it. And for me, this type of movie is really my my Avengers in in a way like I just love films of this type that can just take me out of out of the world for a bit the 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 runtime of this of this movie is to me almost irrelevant it's great that it's tight and it's it's almost an hour and a half but for me i watched it again quickly this weekend because i obviously watched it previously and you were talking about it and it just it flashes by for me i just from, from the moment that he bursts in to the office and just breaks that that um really uh candid conversation yeah. he's having with the psychiatrist i'm just i'm in yeah. i love it and for me that's what a great movie can do is just really tangibly just grab hold of you and hug you and then just sort of push you out the door into the cold at the end of it and you're just like whoa yeah oh, that, that, that's amazing you know for, for better or worse you know there are some bits i don't you know i don't you know i don't don't love about it it's very narrow in scope you don't really get any sense of the the outside world it's really it doesn't, you don't really, need to you don't need to but there are there are things that i love about other films you know where i sort of, and it's not particularly beautiful mm. in in the way that it's shot the direction is very tight it's re- really it's not tv it is cinematic but it isn't I wouldn't say it there doesn't any, demand being no, seen on the big screen. There weren't any particular shots where I was partic- where I was amazed by the direction. It's very much, and it makes sense that one of the actors in it is a director because it's very much based on performance, mm. very much based on um, what every everyone's motivation is. Well, let's cover off a couple of things quickly. Yeah. So one, Dan Bevan, he was kind enough to contribute. So let's read his very swift review. Uh, interesting character study of a character of questionable morality who sometimes has good intentions presented in a very stylish fashion. Awesome soundtrack, fantastic acting. Definitely put Rob Pat on my actors to pay attention to list. Mm, can't really disagree really, with that. Really agree. Now, here's the thing we didn't disagree, and this was from James's mm. comments right at the start. Uh, embarrassingly feeble female characters. Uh, second time Jennifer Jason Lee's factored in one of her... And I was thinking, films. does that make her the most uh, have the most appearances out of our films? Quite possibly. We should uh, we should go back and check. Retroactively, yeah. She was a very strange sort of older lady who acted like a juvenile. Yeah, never has never grown up. Never grown up I, again. I assumed drug use. Again, I assumed some kind very of, much seemed to be you know some some real you know connection with with Connie. Um, codependent the the mother had obviously had it up to the teeth with her antics and this probably wasn't the first time that she had spent money on her card because of of a, of a boy yeah um um yeah i agree that she was feeble in the character that she was playing but i thought that she really inhabited she was the type of personality that connie would have been attracted to to abuse uh, you know psychologically to, yeah, to exploit, abused to yeah. exploit to as a person that could always you know he really turned on her and the bit where in the car he's kissing her and saying look i just need was it three thousand or five and then they get in there and he's like yeah it's ten it's for my brother it's for my you know and she's like i know i know and he just rolls over her in yeah, such an incredible total, way yeah. total emotional manipulation yeah, yeah really um, good 
yeah, it, it was a, it was a, it was a very brief appearance. Mm. Uh, didn't really amount to much. Yeah, the the film had a very little in the way of of, of, of female characters. Um, I'll, I'll give it a pass on this occasion because yeah. it's just it it was a very as you say very tight, very focused story, very driven by this yeah. one guy's path. Um, the the young the young girls at Crystal, the character was called. Uh, oh yeah, the, the young the young girl who's living with her There was I think there was. A period there where there was a certain degree of empathy because mm. her situation very much mirrored his, uh, but ultimately his survival instinct overrode that. And there's yeah. a very sort of creepy moment where he gets off with her when she's meant to be yeah, yeah. 16 years old. Well, it's the, it's because the news story comes. Yes, on yes, yes. But it's, it's still deeply uncomfortable, and I know why he does it. Yeah, but yeah. Again, it's the sort of like, what won't he fucking yeah, yeah. sing to, to to avoid getting found out? I mean, as we found out with her, she's constantly getting blazed yeah so she's generally quite high and passive and i think that could be interpreted as feeble as well but mm. she's she's utterly fucking stoned well there's the moment later on isn't there where she sees that the amusement park's been turned on she yeah. walks out there the police catch her and then uh our pats is um is in character yeah yeah, yeah. as the thing and That's just tries guy. to connect with her and it's just like don't, don't say anything don't yeah. you know and I don't know whether it's it's not a threatening look. It's just no, more no, no. Of a, it's, a, it's a sort of a connection on. of I need you to not yeah. say, and she is, you know, she she agrees in that moment and doesn't say anything, and it's just like there's obviously something going on here that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not privy to. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I really I really enjoy I enjoyed everything about about it. It, it probably the fa- my favorite of the films that we have reviewed. Um, wow, just because it's got that indie you know credibility thing to it and it's one of those films which i do and it is i i will admit it is something that i do love being able to go to people and say look there's this film you should watch it yeah it's yeah, really yeah, good yeah, yeah. and i know that you're gonna you know i know that you're gonna enjoy it or i know you're not gonna think it's rubbish yes um or at least i hope you don't otherwise it says a lot about your character. It says, <laughs> it's well, like I, when I it's like when I stopped this. What remember that WhatsApp group, and then someone had the audacity to say that Mad Max was sort of average or something oh, at best, yeah. and I was just like, "I'm out, mate. I'm out. Yeah, I'm so fucking. I can't. I can't say, even yeah. be in the same room as you, <laughs> even yeah. virtually. Fuck yeah. off." And it has an incredibly low barrier to entry. It is available on both Netflix it is. and Amazon Video Prime. The first of our movies that that is that is such. So there really is the no boundary excuse. crossing so, yeah. Uh, film. Yeah, yeah. Good and time. A, good time. Double thumbs up. Uh, I assume a thumbs up from you. Sure. So that, that's a, that's a, that's a McCartney. It's very presumptuous, that's a, but yeah. yes, yes. That's a that's a double thumbs up. <laughs> Um, 
So yeah, so uh, moving on to our new section. Take me by the hand, Alex. Lead me to the Lead me to the new section. Staying with Mad Max, actually. Okay. Segwaying into Mad Max. Last episode, uh, dear reader, if you did not listen to our last episode, um, we talked about Mad Max and is there any, um, is is there going to be another one? Yes. Um, And I did some research and I found out that Probably not. And some legal wrangling, isn't it? Yes, there is. Um, basically, the bone of contention seems to be that the studio believes that um, the uh, Mad Max came in over budget. George Miller um, uh, believes that it came in under. Uh, for particular reasons, there is there is a court case going on about um, the matter of around thirty million either side. <sighs> um, uh, about bonuses that were promised, about uh, reshoots, and whether the money for those reshoots belongs. It's, it's, it's relatively boring stuff. It's very interesting, though, and there is a transcript out there of the of the claims made that um, Warner Brothers had insisted that certain scenes not be shot, including the uh, Immortan Joe's Citadel scenes. Um, and... Um, they wanted new scenes and a new ending uh, to the movie. Not quite sure what they were, but effectively, the main, the crux of what uh, Miller is saying is the reason why they claim that it, the, 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 it going over budget isn't true, is that there were ten screenings of the movie for Warner Brothers, right? And with each screening, Warner Brothers demanded there be changes, which included reshipping out the vehicles to Australia, ha. all the actors coming back over and doing Jesus. it, which and they claimed that the money for that, which is this ambiguous thirty million yeah, pound, yeah, yeah, yeah. is should not be added on, but now seems to be that they are adding it on. Now taking into account uh his age and the likelihood of this being resolved satisfactorily does look like uh, oh, what, a, what, a, what a horrendously petty reason yeah and it, and such a shame and it just does seem in this day and age that the next Mad Max uh, you know even, even if it didn't have Max in even if it was um, you know Furiosa or yeah, yeah, continuing yeah. that story it's gonna make money like it's gonna it will will be a success for Warner Brothers, but, um, oh, but you know it's also it's Warner Brothers, so they'll probably go, oh yeah, let's just, let's stick fucking Snyder on it or some shit. I, that's the ma- that's my main issue here is that w- in whatever guys it comes in next, if we assume that Miller is now too old to te- to to take on, the, I the wish next they'd role. let him make. I yeah. really want to see his. You know, he was doing Justice League. Mm. I really would have loved to have seen his take on Justice League. So, um, one of the women in Mad Max Fury Road was mm. his Wonder Woman. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, the, I think the, it was. It was the lady on that was Lookout, wasn't it? The yeah, lady was yes, naked yes. as as the Lookout yes. trap. Um, that was that was Wonder yeah. She was Wonder Woman. I believe Army Hammer was was yeah. Green Lantern. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, a lot of like young unknowns mm. playing all these roles, and um, I just would have. Love to have seen what yeah, he could have def- definitively done with it. So yeah, very, um, very um, underfulfilled uh, talent. Yep. Um, on on the that's, main team. That's a shame. That's a blow. Yeah, that's a blow. But yeah, just to uh, just to round that off, if anyone was wondering, and a uh, regular listener, a uh, regular reader, um, <laughs> uh, going back to one of our um, earlier films that we uh, did a podcast about, Cloverfield, we uh, referred to the new. 
uh, movie that he's working on, oh, Overlord. Overlord, which apparently isn't a Cloverfield film. Exactly, that's it. But he, he would say saying, that, wouldn't he? But that's why is he just trying to? He's just going to say that, and then at the end, there's just a giant he's trying monster to flick our balls on that one. Oh, JJ, who knows? Although I've heard, um, so recently there's been an event called CinemaCon. All right, where they showed footage from a whole bunch of films, mm. um, and someone said it does look kind of very, very freaky and, and fucked up. And yeah. Cool. Um, also, interestingly, they showed first clips from the new uh, Halloween. Oh, right. Which has Jamie Lee Curtis yes. in it and is co-written by Danny McBride. Right, right. Uh, sounds very interesting. And really interestingly, yeah, uh, they're doing a remake of Suspiria. Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by the chap who did Call Me by Your Name. Ooh. Um, and apparently, early. So, funny enough, there was a show I used to do uh, with my company, Explosive Island, called Homework, mm. which I'd still love to do more of. Yeah. Um, which was. Not dissimilar to this show in terms of what we did, especially with the film portion. Yeah. Uh, but for the for the horror show, yeah, we did Suspiria, and it was just so fucking batshit. Yeah. Apparently, what they've shown is him. It, it's apparently it's balls out, and yeah, people yeah. were like having to look away to from be. the screen and shit. I'm like, cool. Like, I, you know, some because I, I believe you know Argento himself has really lost it since those those great days. Yeah. Um. So I'm really interested to see someone who's directed a film of of uh, Call Me by Your Name's caliber mm. tackling Gonzo horror. This show has a better host. What's that? This show has a better host. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> it seems the battle royale genre is here to stay. Um, anyone that um, film wise, yeah, film wise and game and game wise, but in this in a sense, film oh. is that the next. Um, we talked about Stephen King, uh, the, long and the Tommy Knockers, the Long Walk. I was so is... excited about this because I read uh, it was one of the books in a collection which I bought because it was the Running Man. Mm. It had the Running Man in it, um, and I was like, "Oh, what's the original Running Man like?" So I heard it bore no, you know, very little resemblance to the Schwarzenegger film. Da da da. But at the end of it, the last the last story was the Long Walk, and I thought that was that was brilliant. And um, I, I it was it was attached to Frank Darabont. Yeah. And he's lost the rights, so someone else is doing it now, aren't they? Yeah, Darabon needs to let someone else have a go at Stephen King, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, so, for those that don't know, um, me being one of them, um, that the story takes place in a near-future dystopian version of America where the government holds a brutal annual contest where 100 teenagers walk down the east coast of America until all except one have collapsed or been killed. Mm. Um, which, to me, just reading that sounds like Battle Royale and the Hunger Games and all but it's but it's films, so but... it's 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 kind of like if the London Marathon never ended. Right. So the point is, is you're just walking. There isn't really any fighting. There's no fighting. There's no competitive element. It's very. It's it's quite it's quite passive, but it's just that you have to maintain that speed. And it's just whose feet give out. Hmm. Give out last. Basically. Oh, right. Interesting. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I didn't. With no stabbing. As far as I remember, I read it as a teenager, but mm. I, I do remember being absolutely enthralled by it. Um, Stephen King is just one of those guys who, at that age, just writes for you. He just writes very, very evocative yeah. prose. Um, and yeah, I was I always wondered if they were going to make it, because I'm trying to remember what else is in that collection. I think it might have been the Batman books. Yes, that, this that was, one was. That was the collection. Yeah. Um, when he was writing under his pseudonym, which was his real name. Stephen, uh, yeah, very strange. Um, there's there's one thing from that book that stuck with me forever. Yeah, is someone a competitor in it wears trainers, mm. and the other guy goes like, never 
don't wear trainers mm. for like endurance running endurance racing it's right. it's a complete fallacy your feet will sweat up and you'll get blisters and they'll get fucked up it's always like always wear boots right so it's just always a tip that stuck with me it's like yeah, i don't yeah. know how true it is mm. it was like no wear boots because if you're going to be if you're going to be walking for the long haul you know not even if it's hiking if it's just walking along roads and stuff boots are your way forward because yeah. you they'll, they'll they'll endure longer i suppose that's why the army army people don't um they'll wear nikes yeah don't wear Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so interesting. But 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 key key for me is there's no director yet on okay. on that thing. So it depends on who who they get. Anyone anyone come to mind that you would like to see have a go at that one? Oh, um, not not. I mean, the Safety Brothers. Yes, there you go. Uh, no, 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 no. Nobody springs to mind. Um, who could do a good... it's 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 a strange one because I don't know what they'll do with it if they mm. do try and make it maze runnery or hunger games and they make it sort of young adult style yeah which I hope they don't um i I hope they bring on someone a bit more um proficient well I'm gonna say George Miller don't <laughs> get George he, Miller uh, when he um walks away from Doing Mad Max, he can come and, and make a crazy one. ass yeah. film about a bunch of people walking. Well, you might need someone like him mm. to make that premise feel tense and exciting mm. because it, it is literally about a long walk, and obviously yeah. the fact the threat of dying is something. Yeah. But I guess to I guess to make that premise consistently interesting yeah. is 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 a challenge for any any director. Really. Well, I also can't keep saying Denny Villeneuve for any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I will bring them up. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put him forward for this. Nah. <laughs> but um, so um, 80s toy brand movie make alert. Oh. Have you heard about the next uh, the next toy that's going to get the film treatment? Oh, please say he, man. It is Mask or Mo- Mobile Armored Strike, Strike Command. Command with a K. Um, led by Matt Tracker. Yeah, yeah, and so and it's again uh, a um, Fast and the Furious uh, director. This is uh, uh, F. Gary Gray from uh, Fate of the Furious. That's tied to oh, us. not it, one of the good ones. Then are you? Um, are you? Uh, I haven't actually seen that one, but are you a fan of fan of Mars? Do you like it when you were a kid? Yep. <laughs> yep. And that can't was, wait yeah, for the film. Yeah, I was. Who's the guy? There was one guy who was called Hondo, and he had a yeah, a bicycle right. that transformed into a helicopter. Yeah. I think he was my favourite. Venom with the bad guys, weren't they? Yeah, I had a mask game on the Spectrum. It was Mask Two. It was fucking awful. Made by Gremlin Graphics. Um, yeah, they were they were one of those toy lines that, being a slightly poor working class kid, mm. my parents couldn't really afford. So I'd, I'd sort of see them at my friends' houses. I was mainly a He Man kid. Then yeah. real, you know, real Ghostbusters. Um, but mask, I, I sort of um, coveted. Well, let's let's go back into a nostalgia fest. What was the toy? It was a space toy. Yeah, wasn't mask. What was the one that had the little magnets on the bottom of your of the Magnaforce? Is it, they called Magnaforce. Magnaforce. There was one big. There were, there were two ships. There was the hero ship, which was a big grey one. Yeah, and he had loads of little figures for that one. Right, and then the enemy ship, which was red, was way fucking yeah, yeah. cooler. I guess the fact it was called Magnaforce suggests it was magnetic. Yeah, maybe that makes sense. All right, cool. Anyway, moving on. So there has been a... answers on a virtual postcard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know any different, I might be talking shit. Okay. um, So there has been a press release about (gasps) the Predator. Oh yes, another thing that was shown at CinemaCon. So I'm going to read out. So tell me what you think. Tell me whether you're buying on this uh, now. From the outer reaches of space to the The small town streets of suburbia. 
The Hunt Comes Home in Shane Black's explosive reinvention of the Predator series. Now, the universe's most lethal hunters are stronger, smarter, and deadlier than ever before, having genetically upgraded themselves with DNA from other species. Oh, I didn't know that. When a young boy accidentally triggers their return to Earth... Uh, played by the uh, the kid from the room. Yes, uh, incidentally, only a ragtag crew of ex soldiers. No, the kid from room, not the room. The kid from the room. Oh, sorry, is yeah, actually yeah. twenty seven years old playing a fifteen year. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, only a ragtag crew of ex soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race. Cool. What do you think? You buying on the I predator? Mean, I was in when you said Shane Black. Yeah, I've always been in since I've heard it was Shane Black. Yeah. Um, and they're being so, a kid. I like his kid stuff. Well, what I've heard is that the story is, in many ways, it's a bit. It's a bit like, it's not Schwarzenegger's character, but someone like Schwarzenegger's mm. character who has already killed a predator. Um, in in a jungle or a forest or somewhere, mm. uh, has all of his bits. You know, his his wrist mounted communicator. Right. Those bits, and he sort of sent them back home in a box. Yeah. Um, but this is from what I read about a brief showing of footage at at this CinemaCon show and then the kid happens upon it and basically diddles with the communicator and that means that they're able to like geolocate him and the predators come down and go well we're going to get our shit back yeah I I have pause on the on the genetically upgraded bit of it that's They've got to handle that right. They if always if they come they, down as big roided mentalists. And well, you, you don't be... you don't necessarily want the weird human alien hybrid no. from like Alien Resurrection. You always you always when you hear things like that, it's like are, are you trying to toy with a very yeah classic design? And or if the so, Predalien from uh, or the Predalien, yeah, Requiem. Oh, Lord. Well, you know, Shane Black of all people. Should should no. steer clear of any of those pitfalls. Are we putting a bit too much faith in him? I don't think so. I think he's been a very consistent performer for most of his career. So mm. yeah, there's a lot there's a lot riding on it and I think they've taken a lot of time on this as well. Um apparently they've done a complete reshoot on the third act of it as well. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't looked at the at the cast for it, but um it, I mean in many ways for me the the predator is one of those films that should exist in isolation as, yeah. as you know. I actually wasn't that set against predators, I thought that was actually all right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hate it, no. but but by the same token, I just think the original one is such a gem of eighties action cinema, um, and everything since has been a pale imitation. So he's got his work cut out from him to live up to the legacy. Well, I like Predator too as well. So yeah, yeah. all right. Got time for it. Got time for it. Um, yes, and that is the end here. By the end of. Um of the news section. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for preempting most of it. Shows Sorry. Bo- uh, shows how boring I am. With no, it's my, not that you're uh, boring. Jewelry. It's just that I, I probably read the same thing. a fuckload of film news. So, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, we dropped it last week. Uh, this time. Yeah. Uh, we're going to bring it back. The Our recommendation uh, side of... The recommendation it. Um, section. Is, is there anything on... Um, Netflix or Amazon video that you've watched recently that you'd like to... I'm currently watching a documentary called Wild Wild Country, and I don't think I'll talk about that until I've finished it. it. It's fascinating, though. It could all be about Nazis in the end. So, yeah, we'll see the end of it. Is it? It could be. It could be. You don't know. Yeah, there could be a real... That'd be a hell of a fucking twist, to be fair. Um, I'm going to recommend a show that I've been a fan of for quite a while. 
which I was very pleased to see episodes of on Netflix uh, called Comedy Bang Bang, huh? uh, which is a show based on a podcast by a guy mm. called Scott Aukerman. Right. Um, it it purports to be a classic panel show, uh, I guess, in the vein of like The Tonight Show, mm. and James Corden and, and yeah. that shine. But it's it's not. It's it's sort of a um, it's a pretense to allow a series of surrealistic sketches and guests to play out. There's every episode title is the name of the celebrity guest and what mm. they're wearing. So it could be like um, John Hamm wears a blue shirt and and black slacks. That mm. would be the title of the episode. Right, right. You've seen one clip from it. I showed you it a long time ago, which was the the musical about the Temptations. Ah, but they've yes. only got oh, they've only got the rights to the song Just yeah, My yeah. Imagination. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. One of my favorite sketches of of anything. It's just fucking brilliant. What I like about this show a lot is that it's it's wildly inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. It's wildly inconsistent. Um sorry, it's um it's uh I'm trying to remember is, that, is it Reggie Bates? But there's a there's a comedy musician who's his oh yeah his orchestra inverted commas orchestra who's in it as well and there's a lot of interplay between them and then in the last I think it was just the last series he went and was replaced with Kid Cudi right right um, and and obviously everyone's in on it it's not a thing where they're bringing guests in and then they're sort of being weird yeah. for laughs for for that watch the Eric Andre show in, uh, instead if you've never never seen the Eric Andre show look for clips of that on um YouTube that's fucking gonzo mental fucking trying to make your guests feel the most uncomfortable they've ever been yeah and even the ones who think their game are never truly prepared for what awaits them this is way more sort <laughs> of scripted and managed and and the first guest will be a celebrity and all the other guests will be comedians you recognize but playing yeah, yeah. the role of of somebody um, and then it makes way for all these other sketches. So what, what, what was I going to say? What I like about it is that it's wildly inconsistent. And the reason for that is because it never, ever rests on its laurels. There's right. there's never a repeated gag. Yeah. There's no real catch. The only repeated gag is that the the lower third for Scott Orkerman's name, every episode is something completely wildly different to Scott Orkerman. Yeah, yeah. But somehow sounds like it, and somehow okay. every episode they make something different that sounds like or right, looks right. vaguely like Scott Orkman. Beyond that, it's it's completely different every single time. They'll bring in a character as if they're like some regular feature of the show, but then you'll never see them ever again. They've right, never right. been mentioned before or since. Um, and and that is that has always been my personal approach to to making things. Is mm. I've never wanted to have a catchphrase or the same intro or the same outro. It's like if you've ever listened to my other podcast, Explosive Alan podcast. I, I always like change up the intro or at the end I was like say goodbye like this something had to change every single time mm. it's really fucking difficult and I always sympathize with anyone who doesn't try and repeat a character or repeat a sketch that they every time they try and do something they have to put together half an hour fresh every yeah. single fucking time and when you bear in mind that this is already based on a podcast that's run for hundreds and hundreds of episodes mm. He's then had to sort of do that in a in a TV format as well. Yeah, uh, and it's bonkers the level of creativity that that has to be employed across these five series to make it. So you'll watch some episodes and you you know you you barely muster a laugh, but you'll always I'll always admire it. Mm. And then there are moments where it just strikes gold occasionally, and it's and it's fucking hilarious. And even the actors in it who are playing along are kind of corpsing, and you can kind of see that they've had to cut around it a bit because they're right. clearly all just like absolutely cracked up by something that somebody said. Um, but yeah, I, th- I don't think 
a lot of it's on Netflix, but at least the first series or so is on it. And it's, yeah, yeah I, I really like it. Well, talking of repeated jokes and things being very formulaic, I watched something incredibly, incredibly formulaic, but it weirdly it works. Um, and I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Wow, that sounds like a great show, too. Alex. Tell me more. It's very, um, it's again, not really a deep cut. I've been no. looking for something to replace comedians in cars getting coffee yes. as a really passive watching dinner kind oh, of. Oh, that's the uh, perfect show then. Um, and because sometimes you just don't want to watch something, you know, really Waiting. challenging yeah. or something that's too, you know, I quite like watching cooking. So I like quite chef's table, stuff like that when I'm, when I'm eating and we've been watching uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. It's, Something it's it's a sort of side of show business. I don't really know anything about. Did you about. spontaneously decide decide to watch this show, Alex? No, what are you saying? It's because it's something <laughs> you've recommended to me. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah but I'm, I'm explaining the reason why I did finally get around <laughs> no, no, to watching no, 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 it because no, 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 you no, no, no. you recommend a lot of stuff to me. Um, <laughs> and this time, it's my main reason. It's a sort of side of show business I don't really understand or have never really engaged yeah. with. Never been Nor to never been to a sort of a drag sort of show. I obviously understand its sort of significance in 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 the community, but for me, all of that stuff is secondary to this the absolute. It, blistering charisma of of RuPaul. He's incredible, um, and and just e- whether in in character, in drag, in any time uh, that um, that RuPaul's on on screen, I'm just absolutely transfixed. Such a, such an amazing person because there's there's there's, there's a, a weird mix of there's warmth mm. to him. But also a crazy amount of authority. Yeah, and you know mad. everyone calls him Mama. You know Mama Roo. Yeah. And when he goes around, there's so much respect because of everything he's done for the for the the field. You know yeah. of, of 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 drag. But he commands it. But he's also just he's so fucking sharp. Yeah, so funny. You know, and, and obviously you don't know how much is done in the edit and how much is scripts and that. But still, there are moments where he, he's just thinking like that, and he's like the the, the fucking puns and shit that come mm. out of him are just absolutely. What's your favourite? Um, uh, like your saying of the thing? I don't know whether it will be the same throughout all the series. I've only watched this first series. Are there any that stand out for you that you like? Because he says says the same things. Like, well, the, for, the one, really formulaic. The one phrase that gets the most use and variation is bring back my girls yeah yeah because he, he says that very sort of seriously to start with mm. but it's the series like where on because we're on series 10 now yeah yeah he just some sometimes he just says it in really fucking bizarre ways yeah, yeah. and, and, it, and it's, he's just but he plays he, with it he's not afraid to mm. be silly mm. he's he's very sort of straight face and then he'll, he'll just do stuff where he's actually got such a surrealist sense of humor and loves just doing stupid voices and things and i, yeah. and I love that like nothing cracks me up more than just a stupid voice uh, and and yeah, he's he's, he's totally on board. It's funny it. you refer to that because I, I did really like that that one too. I don't um, remember. Don't fuck it up is my and my personal my yeah. personal favorite one. Um, but um, he drops um, bring back my girls and says just bring back the girls for a couple of episodes right. in the middle and then brings it back later on. And I much prefer it. I don't know why. Just sort of really obviously yeah, my girls is better. But my girls is is so much better. Um, I do realise, however, this is a really awful recommendation because series two disappears from Netflix tomorrow at the time of recording. But I think the rest of them are still there's so available. Much more to watch, there's yeah. so much, and I and I'm looking forward to working through. It's super passive. It's super. It's the um, perfect. Like, so the reason we got into Drag Race was actually when my wife was pregnant, mm. 
and had a very sort of rough pregnancy, very, right. you know, panic attacks, very anxious. And that was her, that was, that was, that's what calmed her down. Is, is the word panacea, is that the right word? But you, yeah. she, she used to watch the show and it just used to bring her a sense of mm. calm. And it, and we just used to watch it together and just, it's, it's, it's frequently just really funny and mm. bizarre. And it, it, it is obviously like mega campy. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just consistently watchable and funny. And as you say, you can just lie down and just passively sort of yeah. devour it. It's it's a, it's a pure binge-watching show. But also, just my final point on it, just in this world full of, you know, terror yeah. and horrors, you know, and the news and Twitter and all these things in life and the way people treat each other and, you know, in just your everyday life. Yeah. It's just something about it that just feels like a disconnect from that. It's so but, joyful. You know, it's just purely about being, you know, the best that you can be. And I don't, you know, and yeah. Anyway, that's what I've really enjoyed about yeah. it. It's the positivity to it. And yeah, there's a lot of positive. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of cattiness mm. and bitching and stuff as well, but there's largely a lot of posit- positivity to it. And you often hear the stories of a lot of the Queens as well. And, when you hear mm. what they're up against or what they've been up against and yeah. what being on the show means to them and stuff like that, it feels so much more heartfelt and genuine than shows of its ilk. Mm. Because I don't like shows like Drag Race, but for some reason Drag Race just stands out because yeah. it is just so, I guess, so far removed from the banality and the and the, the, the falseness of it. Yeah. Which is funny because the whole thing is about people pretending to be Being women. false, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's built on a facade. Yeah. Everything beneath that facade is but very, when, is, but when very that, genuine. But when that is your framework, when that is what you're building the house of, of this experience on, yeah. it can only go to a good place for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I like about it. It's not based on, you know, fucking people over. It's not, you know... But it is, but it's not. It's it's no. just it, it's been such a really nice experience, and really enjoyed it. And I'm really, I, I'm really I happy you watched mm. it because that's the thing is, as you said earlier, you know, when you recommend Good Time, mm. you say to people, "Are you going to really enjoy this?" Mm. And then you sort of dread it when people walk out and go, "What, what, what are mm. you on about? Shit!" Yeah, yeah. And I, I always dread that if I tell people to yeah. watch something and see if they enjoy it. So. Yeah, I'm really happy that you you sort of uh, you you gelled with it. I have, and, uh, <laughs> and probably I'll try not to refer to it too much, but yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm in. I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in for the long haul. There's what like eight series or something. Or you've or just something? done two, so yeah, yeah you've got, two, you've got yeah. I don't I don't think any of the All Stars series are on Netflix. Right. So there are I think there's three series of All Stars, which is when they bring back <laughs> queens from the previous shows and get together for a another series basically i hope shangela comes back oh shangela comes back hallelujah anyway let's wrap that up and um and then move on to what our next um episode will be about and dear reader i am disconnecting from the reins here and it now Uh will be dan's choice for next episode so funny enough all the way up to the the point that i was about to start the show i was actually going to pick a film called the ritual Right, which is a, a Rafe Spall horror that I've heard yeah. some good things about, which is currently on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just I jumped on the IMDb page for um, Good Time, mm-hmm. and it was people who watch Good Time also watched blah blah blah, and then it reminded me that there was well, funny enough, I've I've watched 
pretty much all the films that it says yeah. they watched. So it was like The Disaster Artist, which I watched yesterday, a yep. ghost story, which I saw at the cinema wife. Um, and then the other film it brought up was um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Ooh. Which I realise has really divided opinion. Yeah. Which I'm not surprised. This is a film by Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. Um, who previously uh, made Dogtooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and also made a film that I absolutely loved uh, the year it came out, The Lobster. Yes. With Love Colin Farrell. This, I believe, reunites him with Colin Farrell. Mm. Um, I was really surprised to see it on Prime yeah, so soon after so the release. Yeah. Really, really surprising. Uh, I hear this one is, even by his standards, fairly <laughs> bleak. <laughs> um, but if there's one thing, if there's one purpose this show serves, it's to force me to watch films that I would probably otherwise go, oh, I keep meaning to watch that. Yeah. yeah. But knowing that I've set it, I've set it as homework now that we've, yeah. that we've we've got to watch it. No, fantastic. Um, that yeah. So I'm going to watch the killing of a sacred deer, and so are you, Alex, and so is everybody who's listening. Amazing. And um, there we will we'll wrap up this episode. Um, the one of the key theories of the podcast is to have a club, have a uh, uh, somewhere where you can come, where maybe when you're flicking through netflix and i've been more guilty of this than anyone else when you're sat down and i fancy a movie or i fancy watching something and you just end up scrolling through your watch list scrolling through continue watching watch again going through all these things that you just cannot decide we're taking out that legwork man you don't have to become one of our readers and just give yourself over to us we'll 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 see you right and um with that I will say goodbye to you. Um, thank you very much, Dan. My pleasure. Um, I very much enjoyed this film. I hope everyone out there enjoyed it. Um, let us know what you thought of this podcast, any of the other ones, and uh, the next film, The King yeah. of the Sacred Deer, um, by contacting us on Twitter uh, using the handle at AlexAlexAlex. Um, that's ALX three times without the E. And um, Dan, who can be found at... It's the pointy head. And let us know, and we will batter you over the head with reminders, of course. Um, but for now... Uh, yes, we'll... but before that as well, don't forget, please um, do rate and review us. Oh, yes. Uh, as well. I mean, we are. I think we default to Podbean, but obviously we are on iTunes, and that's really where you get the majority of your exposure. It is. Um, you know, we, we can only do, do so much through our social media channels and through word of mouth. Um, it really helps because the more you rate and review us, uh, the more we'll show up and the more promotion we'll get. And that's really the best way for more people to get on board with this lovely club. Yeah, like a, a quick note, a tiny, tiny note on that just before we finish is that when I've listened to podcasts before, when people just keep hammering over the head about, you know, review, rate and review and all that kind of stuff, I, I never, I've never believed them before. And I'm now in front of, um, in front of the, uh, statistics for this show and it really actually genuinely does mean more listeners if people do rate rate and review us i don't know how it works it's obviously some kind of mad mad trickery um but with the when now we've had seven five star reviews we've now that amount has has meant that we've listened to a lot more on itunes it's doing something to throw us up in yes. searches i don't understand 
don't understand. Yeah. Don't understand. But what I do know is that um, that if you do help us by uh, reviewing us, it will help us. So thank and, you very and, much. And retweet us as well. Because a like is a coward's retweet. <laughs> it is a coward's it's retweet. Like, a like is like, yeah, I like it, but not enough to tell anyone else about it. It's like, well, fuck you then. I don't care about your like. Retweet. Retweet, please. And rate and review. Thank you very much um, to you all. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>